very good evening and a welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Red and Blue Review. As for the first of two consecutive weeks, thank you to Sky Sports. Palace are the subject of Monday night football. Although according to some who watched on TV last night, you might have thought that there was only one side playing and they were based in West London. Um, I've drawn the short straw. My name's Ian Noble and I'll be hosting this evening on this edition of the Red and Blue Review. Uh, well, welcome to all Palace fans watching live or the recorded version, uh, whether you're a regular watcher of the pod or indeed whether you're new around here. Please do like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us across the usual social media of Facebook, Twitter or X and Instagram. Thanks to Tom Clark Samuel for managing the Instagram account. Good to see you, Tom, uh, before the game last night. So joining me on the show this evening... Uh, a near neighbour uh, behind enemy lines down here in East Sussex is Fergus Tidd. Hello, Ferg. How are you? Hi, Ian. Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, much back for London, just especially to be on the show. Down from London in Sussex, that's what I like. Uh, and a late replacement for uh, Jill Holyoke, who failed a fitness test, is the singer-songwriter guy from Reading, Greg Ellis. Hello, Greg. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very good, yeah. One day we're going to get you to sing a song on this show. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, that'll take us off. That'll take us offline. I think <laughs> it'd be like be like the Millennium Bug. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And finally, making up the quartet, as you can see this evening, a special welcome back to the legend. That is Jim Cannon. Hello, Jim. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good evening, all. Good evening. Good of you to join us. We had a, you know, we were a little bit worried about you earlier on because uh, you're a little bit late to the party for the pre for the pre show meeting. But no worries. You're here now. I've had to do it. I've had to do it on my phone. That my computer, I could get in, I could hear you, but nothing was happening. So it's a good job we didn't say anything derogatory about you then. But uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, welcome to everyone watching. Um, great to see you all uh, joining us. Joining us this evening on the pod. We're going to go straight into the game um, from last night. Um, and I'm going to do this slightly differently because I'm going to, although I'm hosting, I'm going to, I'm going to do the uh, do the main game tonight, uh, and then I'm just going to get you guys to come in and chat. So we're just going to have a, an informal chat about the game. And if you've got any comments in the chat, especially about the things that we're going to be asking questions about, then do uh, do comment as we go through the evening. So the result last night, guys, uh, it now makes it 14 consecutive defeats to Chelsea, 13 in the Premier League. And one cup semi-final. We last recorded a victory uh, 2-1 on the 14th of October 2017, which was significant in itself. Um, do you know why that was significant, that win, Fergus? Any idea? Or anybody? Greg, Jim, why was that win significant in October 2017? Anyone in the chat know the answer to that question? We won. We have this, have we? <laughs> was it an own goal or something? No, 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 no. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why it was significant. Uh, it was the first points of the 2017-18 season after the opening four games of the Frank de Boer debacle. Oh, and then Roy came in as our saviour for the first time. Uh, he lost his first three games. And then on the, I think it was the eighth game or the seventh game we played, it was Roy's first win. Thank you, Real Panel, for that. I knew you'd know the answer. And we won 2-1. I think Zaha got one of them. And it was a, a really good occasion. But that was the last time we beat Chelsea um, in any competition. So let's have a look at the team selection, first of all. Uh, I like your reaction, guys, as to when that team was announced at seven o'clock last night. What were your thoughts? Greg Ellis, first of all. 
Uh, I think I would like to have seen Ozo. Um, I was really happy to see uh, France uh, and Wharton start. Uh, yeah, I think I think I would have preferred to see Ozo in, in in place of Hughes, but I can completely understand why Roy would have sort of fallen back on the more experienced uh, Hughes. But I mean, other otherwise, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's it's probably the best it could have been. Yeah, good. Um, Fergus, do you agree with Greg? What was your view? Um, no, I was quite happy to see Wharton and France are there. I think the only other change I would have made would have been for the goalkeeper. Mm. I think maybe Johnson should have come in. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess Hughes was a safe bet because Eze and Elise are out. He's played number 10 before, hasn't he? But, um, I mean, you could have actually probably put Wharton there and stuck Hughes in centre mid, you know, maybe would have had a little bit more of an attacking number 10. But mm. um, it was nice to see the youngsters get a chance. And, and I, I kind of agree with Greg. Ozo needs to be in there as well. Uh, and I've, I've heard Hughes is injured now, so that might actually happen. Yeah, he was taken off because he was injured, apparently. He was limping for about 10 minutes before he, he went off, um, if you noticed last night. We'll come to that a little bit later. What was the mood like in the lounges, Jim, when the team was announced last night? Uh, yeah, I think they were all... I mean, we all keep on about we want the sort of younger fraternity to get a game. Yeah. Uh, I suppose that includes Franca. Um Yeah, it was... I mean... The only change I would have made is exactly what you just said there. I, I, I've got no sort of like... Henderson gives me kittens, nothing else. Uh, he stands on his line. He doesn't come out for anything. And uh, I would have that would have been the team I would have picked, but I would have put Johnston in. Yeah. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there are some... I've seen some stats on social media uh, about the goalkeepers and the, and the comparison of their performances this season. I think Johnson had five clean sheets. Um, I'm not sure Henderson's had any clean sheets since he's been in goal. Um, Johnson had done nothing wrong until he got injured against Liverpool. Um, and yet there's some people are saying, well, look, you know, it's, it's an uneven playing field because Johnson had the Kure in front of him, in front of the back four. And, um, you know, we had a better, solid, more solid defence earlier in the season. What would you say to that, Jim? Would you agree with that, or would you think that's a load of rubbish? A load of rubbish. See, I think the back four as a whole aren't as good as what they were when Johnson was playing. But I look at that, and I think that's down to a lot to the goalkeeper, making sure that people are in the right positions, doing the marking, and keeping them away from the danger area, which is anywhere inside that 18-yard penalty spot to the six-yard box. And you've only got to watch corners and stuff. Everybody just goes and stand there because he doesn't, he, he just gets lost. He, I look yeah. at him and I think it's like a 16-year-old kid, school kid, sort of standing with adults, sort of like playing football. He, he doesn't show any authority. I mean, he's, don't get me wrong, he's a good shot stopper. But I just, Johnson's an England goalkeeper. I mean, is it, are they playing him because they spent 20 million on him? Well, I there, don't is, know. there is that. There is that thought that the, the reason he's playing him is because he costs twenty million and he's one of the top earners at the club. Rob Cranfield says Henderson can't command the box and looks like a rabbit in car headlights. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. many would agree with you there, Rob Fergus. I was just going to say you need to bring in the fact that Decore has been missing 
mm. a big chunk of that. And he sits in front of that back four. And I think our back four have been a lot more exposed since he's he's been missing. So so really you could you put it all down to Henderson? I think maybe eighty percent, yes. Maybe twenty percent is just the fact that, you know, we're not as strong in defence without the core. Um but he does I, I agree with a lot of the comments. I, I I just think Henderson's he doesn't fill you with confidence. Like Jim said, yeah, it, it just makes you feel nervous. Whereas Johnson commands his box. And of course he's got his own song as well that we can sing. I, I don't think we've got one for Henderson, have we so no, we haven't. No, we haven't. No. Ian Roberts says, get John Burridge in as the goalkeeping coach, Jim. What do you reckon about that? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't. I've, I see John's comments a lot on Facebook and uh, he's not enamoured with the way teams play out of the back, especially the goalkeepers. So I think he might, he might have a bit. I mean, when we played with John Burridge, uh, I'll tell you what, when you could hear him, you just got out of his way. The first, all we done is went behind him because he would come out for anything and everything, and he would take whatever was in front of him. And if that was his own players and the centre forward, you all went. But you knew where you stood, you know. Like he kept you away from him. You didn't want to get near him because you know you were going to get clumped. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah, they do say that goalkeeper is a little bit different and a little bit mad. But Budgie was definitely mad, wasn't he? You know, he was a bit bonkers, wasn't he? You know, his, his warm-up routines and things, you know. So, yeah, happy days, happy days. Um, so, I think the consensus is, you know, amongst us guys and in the chat, is that Sam Johnston should be selected in goal for Crystal Palace. You know, he, he was picked, obviously, in the cup match at Everton. Uh, that's the only game he's played since he's been back from the injury. And, of course, we go to Everton next, next Monday. And I think we'd all love to see him back in goal um, for that one. So that aside, that was the team selection. Nice, just put it back up, if you'd be so kind, um, before we get into the game itself. And and I agree with with the guys. I think it was a, a good team selection. Interesting that Anderson got the armband in the absence of the other three or four players that have captained the side this season that were unfit and unable uh, to play uh, last night. So um, Chelsea, of course, had much of the ball in the early exchanges. Um, but Palace had some good moments early on, I thought. Um, uh, albeit that the shots that we did have were soft. Ayu had a soft shot on target. Hughes's free kick from the right was floated in. Someone got their head on it, but it was wide. Uh, Mateta um, probably had the best opening early on. But again, it was a soft shot, easily dealt with. Um, and then, of course, on the half hour came Lerma's goal. Um what did you make of the goal? Uh, let's come to Fergus first. You know, uh, talk us through your, your understanding of this goal and and um, what happened. I've actually watched it from about sixty one angles on the Palace player thing tonight. Five minutes of it. Well, um, Mateta had another solid game, and he crossed the ball. Chelsea cleared it, and he went for the spectacular, didn't he? He went for like jumped in the air, tried to get yeah. the kick, backfired massively. Um, Chelsea won the ball back temporarily and then Mitchell won the ball back almost straight away. And of course, it fell to Lerma and then he seemed to have quite a lot of time looked up. And um, yeah, great shot straight into the top corner. Um, really, really good goal. Um, yeah, and I think I don't think Chelsea had, had shot on target in the first half. So I think we've had all the chances despite not having all the possession. Mm. Um yeah, so it was a quality finish. 
and 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 that's what we need to see from there. We need to see more of that. Yeah, absolutely. And and in posh seats, how did you celebrate last night, Jim? <laughs> how did I celebrate? Well, nice to see a goal going. Uh, uh, nah, it was it was a uh, it was a good goal. I mean, there was a bit of they were complaining that they thought I thought VAR might have got involved because they were complaining. I mean, there was there was obviously Mitchell and Lerma there, and the I, I don't know what Chelsea player it was, but they sort of they just got them out of the way basically. But I think it was it was fair, uh, and to be fair, the referee just carried on, no problem. And uh, yeah, Lerma, that was a great goal. I mean, I could see I was right, sort of. Oh, he's frozen. He's, he's frozen. Jim's frozen. That doesn't happen very often, does it? Oh, Jim, you're frozen. Um, yeah, so... Well, um, obviously, you mentioned Mateta earlier. There, there is a, Mateta's been brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm his biggest critic. Jim, you, Jim, my friend, you keep freezing. I hope you can hear us. So we're just going to a little bit. Um, if with, his, right. with his work rate. But he got that great chance. He went through... And that's where he'll fall down. And that's why we're probably not a better team than what we are because we don't score the goals that we should score when you only get one or two chances against teams like that. Thanks, Jim. Um, you did freeze for some of that. I don't know if you heard us say, but but don't worry. We, we got the gist of what you were saying. Um, <laughs> that Mateta obviously needs to take those chances a bit better. Um, Facebook user says, I was in line of it. Uh, what a shot. When it left his foot, it took off like a Jefferson airplane. Oh, I like what you did there. Very good. Very good. Greg, any other alternative thoughts on the goal? Uh, yeah, do you know what? When he went for the spectacular, as, as Ferg mentioned, um, it, it was just one of those moments where you just thought, oh, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, fortunately, I think it's Madueke who just sort of, you know, let's let's go with the possession. And I, I had no expectations whatsoever. And, and the, you could see, like, the second he hit it, you thought, oh, that's that's going to go well. And then I, I did not expect it to hit the net. I thought it would, it would, you know, just sort of rose in, you know. And when it hit the net, I was more surprised than, than anything, you know, if, if I'm honest. Um, it, it was a lovely finish, though. It was already, it was no, no saving that whatsoever. Yeah, I nearly fell over actually in the celebrations. <laughs> I am, I'm on the end of a row, so I stood up and and, and I nearly fell over. I managed just to save myself. Uh, we were all a bit mad, but like you, Jim, I, I just thought for a horrible moment, you know, if I'm going to get involved, is there a foul in the build up that we haven't seen? Um, but it was quite special because from where I'm sitting in the main stand, it, I was right behind it and it was brilliant. So um, it was good work initially, of course, by Tyrant Mitchell from left back to win the ball that played Mateta down the line. In the first instance, as Fergus has said, um, Chelsea didn't properly clear their lines uh, following a comical, almost air shot from Lerma before he struck gold. Um, Torek Mitchell and Lerma won the ball back between them before Lerma recorded his first goal for Palace. Now, I want to ask you another question, guys. What was what else was significant about Lerma's goal last night? Anybody know? Didn't he score an, an almost identical goal against Palace for Bournemouth? He might have done, but that's not the right that's answer. That's his first goal for Palace, wasn't it? It was his first goal for Palace. Yeah, we've said that. What else was significant? Anyone in the chat know what was significant about uh, Lerma's uh, goal last night? Here we go. Rob Donovan, yeah, Paul, Paul Bristow, they are on to yeah. it. It was Palace's 1,000th 1, 1, top flight goal. Easy for me to say. Put my teeth back in. 
And, and Nigel has got some stats for us, for us here. So I'm just going to have a quick closer look at this. And um, the first goal, Jim, did you know this? Uh, a bit before your time, actually, wasn't it? Mel Blythe scored the first one. Um, Jerry Queen got the 100th goal against Coventry. And a certain Ian Wright, your mate, Jim, he got 250th goal. Um, Dean Gordon from left back got the uh, 500th goal. And uh, James Tompkins, still with the club, of course, on the bench last night, got the 750th. And Lerma gets the 1,000. So it was a significant landmark. And loads of people are saying it in the chat now. George, Stephen Isles, Gary Fisher, Paul Holden. Thank you. Keith Parker. Well done, everyone. Rob Cranfield. Greg. There's a good comment by Lee Lockwood. And I'm searching my mind for previous South American players. But is he's saying, is it the first goal by a South American? And I, I'm racking my brain. I'm thinking Ivan Carrier. Yeah, Moritz. Moritz was Brazilian. Did he score in the top flight? Yeah. Though? Uh, no, yes, yeah, very true. No, he didn't. Put, he didn't come up with us, no. did he? He left uh, in in the season or after the playoff final. So, yeah, I'm just trying to think of old South American players. If I'm honest, Ivan Caviades was the first one that came to mind. Well, if anyone else knows in the chat whether a South American has scored in a Premier League for us, um, I'm sure Paul Bristow or, or Real Panel will tell us. They normally do. Uh, Tommy Samuel said Sorondo. Um, where was he from? No idea. Anyway, the right, the right answer was he a day? The right answer was a thousandth top flight goal uh, last night by Lerma. And um, I wonder if they talked about it before the game. They probably didn't, did they? That would be silly. Um, so the goal goes in. We're one nil up, and everything is rosy in the garden in Sellers Park. Um, I thought France had carried the ball quite well last night. Got up the field quite well. Um, uh, Chelsea had the last chance of the first half Gallagher pulling his shot wide just before half time and there's an interesting stat um, well let me ask you the question again then um, there was an interesting stat that was put about on social media yesterday about Chelsea's first half performance anybody know what that stat was? They had 80% possession no shot on target they did have 80% possession and no shot on target um, but the stat referred to the fact they had the most passes in any Premier League half without scoring a goal. Bizarre. Anyway. Or without having a shot on target. Well, I don't know about that. Without scoring a goal, that was the stat. Okay. So they had the most Premier League passes in a half of football in the Premier League ever without scoring a goal. Um, how do, Who looks these things up? That's what I want to know. They want to get out more, don't they? You know, um, there we are. Such is life. Um, is he a nobler teacher or something? No, I'm not, but thanks for that, mate. <laughs> there we go. Right, okay. Um, I just thought we'd involve people, you know. I thought that was a, a good thing to do. Um, so second half started um, after some delay. Um, what was it like watching on TV, guys? Um, Greg, you know, you're you're the MOTD fan. Absolutely, yeah. I think, there, yeah, there was just a bit of confusion, really, uh, I think, initially. And, uh, yeah, there just seemed to be sort of, uh, hanging by the, the tunnel, um, I was I was uh, probably in the midst of sorting out my, my coffee and a, a donut while, whilst that was happening. So that, that gave me a bit of a, a bit of a breather there. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, yeah a bit bit of bit of fumbling going on. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, it certainly allowed all the problem sandwich brigade to get back to their seats because normally yeah. they're still taking their seats, aren't they? Sort of four or five minutes into the second half. Um, were you all seated, Jim, by the time you kicked off in the second half? 
No, no. Well, I was seated, but I was sitting down having a drink in Sveronis. Watching, I was watching on the telly, but I got up. By the time I got up, which was only five, ten minutes into the second half, um, I still thought it was 1-0. I didn't, I, didn't even, I didn't even know they'd scored. Somebody <laughs> said to me, no, it's 1-0. So, yeah, so I missed the goal. <laughs> Jim, did they, still, did they still ring that little bell at half-time when the players are coming out? Uh, no, not, not anywhere near us, no, no. No, no. Obviously, at half-time, when there was the delay, um, it was all to do with Michael Oliver's um, uh, radio mic into the VAR studio, wasn't it? Um, to, to keep in touch with him. It wasn't working properly. So he had to go off the pitch and probably have his Duracell batteries changed or something. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the delay was about five or six minutes. And then so somebody at Palace decided to play Three Little Birds on the on the Tannoy, on the loudspeaker system. And, of course, we're all singing along, thinking that this is this is a bit of fun. But it wasn't a bit of fun because Chelsea just carried on singing it into the second half and got really loud with it and added their own slant on it. And I'm thinking they've nicked our soul. Um, and, of course, it took Chelsea just 90 seconds to equalise. Not that Jim knew, of course, um, from the lounge. Um, yeah, 90 seconds. Um, it was across from there right into the danger area. Conor Gallagher, unchallenged, um, one all. Dean Henderson, should he have done better, Fergus? Well, he never comes for the ball, does he? So, well, it was a long way out. But, yeah, do you think he should have stopped? It was. Well, in his defence, I think there was a defender in front of him, but it seemed to go into the middle of the goal. Now, if, if he's not saving that, where's he standing? <laughs> because you should be standing in the middle of the goal, shouldn't you? But, um, yeah, it, like, he probably should have saved it. Um, but but I, so. I do think he was unsighted. Um, in his defence, Greg. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd agree with that. Uh, you know, it's. I know he's not necessarily flavour of the of the week at the moment, but you know, I, I, I think I'd probably err on on and, and agree with with Ferb. I think he's possibly a bit unsighted, but I think he's right to point out the positioning. Really, you know, the, the ball's going to come quick, but if you're not, you know, I think it just went through him, didn't it? Yeah, interesting. I, Sorry, Greg. Go on. I, th I think the, the the biggest frustration for me at the moment is is the, the amount of goals that are scored in the first minute, the forty fifth minute, the forty sixth minute, and the ninetieth minute. I um, I'm finding that really really challenging as a Palace fan because I just I just think that that's a complete lack of discipline within the side to to manage, you know, that those first few minutes of either the restart or, or coming to half time. You know, there there must be some experienced players in that side that can just you know just say to the team look you know you know time's up or you know let's just let's go out there and hold ourselves for a few minutes but you know we've seen it against Sheffield United and and and, and obviously last night I, I, I just I was, I was I was angry to be honest that, that, that they'd scored I mean if they'd have scored 10 minutes after the restart not so much but I just don't think that um, we're doing ourselves any favours yeah, thanks, Greg. I don't think many would disagree with you on that. Um, interesting, there's a split opinion in, in the chat. Dawn Palace, there's no one stopping that. Lee Lockwood said he went straight through him. Paul Holden says he should should our defence have done better. Um, Dawn says Guita would have got it. So, uh, yeah, interesting. There's different opinions yeah, there. Dave, Dave Campion says beaten by power. 
and that's probably yeah. true. I mean, it was, yeah. he, he hit it hard. So, he? You know, I, I think in the ground, I'm thinking, you know, I don't think he's at fault necessarily, but looking back on it, he might be looking back at it himself, thinking he, he could and should have done better. And we'll come to the second goal in a bit. Um, okay, so uh, following the goal, um, the, we had a few moments after that, I think. Um, you know, our heads didn't drop. You know, it would have been easy, I think. You know, suddenly we lost our lead to drop our heads. Um, and Chelsea, you know, really come at us. And, of course, they they, they did have some chances. We, we defended reasonably well in the second half, I thought. Um France had a moment where he played Mateta into a good position. It was blocked by Silva. Really good block. I think he probably just took one touch too many, almost in the inside left position. Uh, Silva, as a result, went off injured. Um, from the subsequent corner, Hughes had a decent corner. Um, now, I was interested because Hughes was on set pieces last night. Um, would, would you What do you think about Hughes on set pieces when he's playing? Would you leave him on set pieces when the likes of Elise and Eze are back? Or, or would you not? Greg, what are your thoughts on that one? No, I think you've got to have your... I, I think Elise saying that um, Eze have got to be on, gone on those. You know, we, we've seen, you know, the Man United free kick uh, and, and yeah, was it Eze the other day. I, th- I think you've got to have your, your flair players on, on those. No disrespect to Hughes. I, I just think, you, you know... At the moment, goals are hard to come by, and and I think that when there's an opportunity like that, you you've got to get you've got to get your, your top players on those. And well, okay, interesting. Well, the reason I asked the question is that I thought that Hughes's corners were actually as good as anything we've we've seen put into the box this season. Don't forget, we haven't scored from a corner for goodness knows how long. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about set pieces in a little while, but um, you know we're not very good at set pieces. And you, you could have your flair players receiving the ball, couldn't you? You know. Yeah. So. No. V- v- very true. Very true. Yeah. yeah. That's what so I was going to say. If you've got Eze and Elise on the edge of the box, you know, if that corner is cleared, you've yeah, got, you've got a better chance of returning that ball and maybe scoring. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Cool. Now, let's move on because we're not going to have enough time to get through everything. Otherwise, if I may. Um, so Chilwell then had a shot from distance, just over the bar. You know, I have to say Henderson was nowhere near that one. Um, Franson then had a decent strike from distance. I thought it was a really good effort. Well saved from a central position. And what I liked about that, it was a good decoy run from Mateta. Mateta, if you watch it back, he took two of the defenders away and it opened the, the, the space up for Franson to have the shot. So Franson, for me, you know, could you play him in a number 10, you know, just behind a front player? Uh, Jim, thoughts on that one? Um, not yet. He's, uh, I thought he had a, a, a good game the other night. Uh, he's a bit suspect closing people down. I mean, he's still mm. got the Brazilian, I think he might probably still think he's playing tippy tappy football in Brazil. <clears throat> and I'm sure after he's had half a dozen games in this league, he'll realize that it's a little bit different. I mean, there was, there was times when he went, he closed down, other people were closing down around him, but he'd get about five, six foot away from Sunday stop and then just passed it by him. So, but I, I think that's just a little bit of experience. He, he, a couple of times, he was uncertain of whether he'd carry on with the ball. I mean, he had one great run in the first half from our 18-yard box to theirs. And it was it was a minute, just another inch. And I think he would have got past that last defender. So he's got a lot of pace about him. Uh, and when he went through, I mean, if he'd have hit that shot, 
where the keeper made a great save. If he'd have just hit that six inches the other side of him, the keeper had no chance. So I think it was nice to see. I mean, it, I think it was right to bring him off when he did. But I think he'll be a big impact player for us. Uh, where he can play number 10, <laughs> who knows? Mm, but he's, he's certainly got a bit of future about him. He's got the X factor, hasn't he? You know, he certainly looks like he's got the X factor and he can do something special with the ball. Um, and I, I, I like, I mean, I'm really pleased that he started last night because, you know, he really should have started against um, Brighton as well the week before. Um, you know, if Elise isn't playing, Ezra's not playing, you know, you need a similar type player to come in and, and he is that player. Um, the other player that we haven't mentioned tonight at all is Edward. He came off the bench. With his first touch, he plays Mateta in, um, which was half a chance. Some thought it was a penalty. It wasn't. It was coming together and he gave it the other way in the end. But, you know, I, some would say Edouard should have been given a chance as well last night. Maybe. I don't know. Thoughts on Edouard, everyone? Well, unless you're going to play two up front, I don't think. Uh, he tends to play wide on the left when he does play. Yeah. So you've already got Francia there anyway. So... No, I think I think coming on when he did was was a good decision, and it caused a few problems for Chelsea. And we had a bit a little bit more luck. We might have just nicked something with balls bobbling about in the eighteen yard box for quite a, a while at one point. But uh, nice, no, he disappoints me. I watched him against Sheffield United, and we had worked our socks off. The two guys gone off injured, so the last 10-15 minutes was backs to the wall. And Mateta had run himself stupid. And this guy came on and he jogged about, not trying to close anybody down while we're trying to defend on the 18-yard box. And I thought, you're not for me, mate. He might have come here in glory from Celtic, but I don't think he's a premiership player. Interesting. OK, George, George uh, um, says uh, Edward should get a start. So, you know, some, some, some support for him out there. Um, he's not getting a start at the moment, and I think he's not doing enough. I agree with you, Jim, there. And Mateta is doing more when he is getting the minutes, which he is getting the majority of minutes up top uh, to keep his place in the side. So, you know, we go into 90 minutes, uh, six minutes of stoppage time. Um, and who does Chelsea bring off the bench? They bring off Raheem Sterling off the bench. You know, a, a fresh Raheem Sterling, who's still a very, very good footballer. Uh, and he played a brilliant ball wide to Palmer. He picks out Conor Gallagher on the edge of the box. Uh, and um, that was a very good strike. You know, you could ask the same question again of Dean Henderson. Should he have saved it? Should he have done better? Um, I think we're probably going to get a similar conclusion to uh, when we talked about the first goal. Um, then we try and salvage something from the game. You know, the ball's lumped forward. Everyone's pushed up. And you don't blame us for doing that, I would have thought. You know, you've got to try and get something out of the game. It was a picture, you know, uh, watched back. Uh, Anderson was showing the most animation here when we conceded that second goal, saying, come on, lads, you know, we can still get something out of this. Uh, and yet it wasn't to be. They hit us on the counter. And the third goal really was irrelevant. Um, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of odds um, one way or the other in the scale of things. So, you know, can't knock us for for, um, for trying, uh, but it did feel like a bit of body blow last night. Um, you know, would you agree with that comment, guys? You know, bit of body blow. You know, we, we should have got something out of it, but just didn't didn't have the rub of the green. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's. I think that was more luck. I think the disappointment for me, and and this is by Chelsea standard, right? I think that's a pretty poor Chelsea side. 
Um, and uh, to lose 3-1, I think the, the scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect their performance. They, they were pretty average in the first half going nowhere. You know, two goals in the last minute. You know, I think I think I think we played a, a bit better than that. Do I think we deserved the point? I think I, th- I think we did. I, th- I think the game of uh, uh, I'm not going to say a fair result. You know, they've won three one. It's it's a bigger scoreline. You know, um, but yeah, I, I think I, ca- I came away thinking that we probably were a bit hard done by. Um, that, but the difference, and we we sort of already said it in in many ways. I think it was Jim earlier. Um, they took the chances when they got them. And that's 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 the difference really between you know your your top six cartel and everybody else. They they cool. just got that extra bit of quality, you know, in the final third to make that difference. And and that's really, in my opinion, where Palace are always going to fall short because you know Palace, West Ham, um, Aston Villas, your Bournemouths, we're all after the same players, you know, and it, and it's a bit of a lottery of who you end up with, and, and naturally. I think with the, you know, I'm just going to use Calvin Phillips as an example. He would have never have come to Palace and would always have gone to maybe top eight and above. And and at the moment, that's that's sort of the trap door. So that's no disrespect to our players. I just Chelsea have just they've got that bit of quality to win those games in that manner. We don't. I bet, I bet Calvin Phillips is questioning his sanity now going to uh, the Taxpayers Stadium. But there we are. Fergus, do you want to come in? Yeah, no, I was just going to say. I think it for me it was nice to see. Certainly, in the last ten minutes, I think Palace were going for it, you know. And you could you could argue there's a bit of naivety, uh, naivety on our part because Chelsea have got the sort of players that will hit hit you on the break and yeah. cause you trouble. But but I actually I, I thought we were actually we were going to nick it towards the end. You know we you know we were really trying. Um, and as long as we keep doing that, you can't really criticise the team. You know Chelsea hits on the break. We were pushing. It was it was unlucky, like Greg said. It you know it was it was just unfortunate. And once that second goal goes in, the heads drop. Um, and of course, like I said, Anderson was trying to motivate the team. And again, they're pushing forward to get that equaliser. And exactly the same thing, you know, they hit us down that that right hand side where Mitchell's there. They know that's a weakness of ours. Yeah. Doubled up on him and. And then you yeah. find yourself free one down. Sure, sure. Um, nice. Let's have a look at the stats if we can uh, for the game. Look at that possession. Um, I don't know whether anyone could tell us whether that's the lowest possession we've had this season. We I didn't research that before the pod. Um, somebody in the chat will know. But, um, you know, pretty, pretty low, just 23%. And yet, equally, look at the shot distribution. My goodness, there's nothing to choose between us at all. Uh, they had seven corners. We just had the one. We failed them a little bit more, but you know, given the given the possession, you know, the end result isn't too shabby. I don't think really. So presumably, all fourteen shots for Chelsea were in the second half, which shows <laughs> how they've kicked into gear from the first half, where yeah. where they were. It was like boring, boring Arsenal from the early nineties. Yeah, they did have one shot, didn't they, at the end of the first half? But there we are. Yeah, you're probably right. Majority of them. Um, we've got some stats as well. Yeah, we have some stats as well for the season so far, um, which are quite alarming. Um, Nigel, are you there with those? Don't let me down. Um, I haven't got there. There we are. Look, brilliant. Thanks, Nigel. So, um, goals. We're 26 goals, 18th um, in the Premier League. Goal difference, 18th. Goals conceded in the final 15 minutes. Um, yeah, we just talked about that. Um, 
really, really poor stat. Um, set piece goals we've talked about. Uh, oh, we, yeah, we have we talked about those. Yes, we have. Yeah, shot conversion, pretty rubbish. Save ratio, goodness me. Uh, and then the average age has gone up again. It was, it was, it was lower last season, wasn't it? I think from time to time. Well, so, I mean, that that stat there, the average age starting that you, you've got it. This that's it in fact, there, isn't it? That they're not prepared to play the youth, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There, there it is. You know, if 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 we're going to, as fans, criticise the hierarchy for not playing the youth, there's your fact. In, you know, it's, it's there, yeah. there for all to see. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, there was a, a question in the chat earlier. What does Jim think of the uh, Homesdale Fanatics protests? So while you're thinking about how to answer that question, Jim, here are some of the um, pictures from last night. They they must have smuggled in about a dozen banners last night. It was ridiculous. Look, new one every five seconds going up. Um, supporters ignored and taken for granted. Um, weak club culture. A culture club there going on. I'm not quite sure what that's all about. Um, yeah, so Jim, thoughts on the HF banner protests? Uh, well, I keep seeing a lot of social media and a lot of sort of main news in the papers, and it's always about that little group and their banners. But I look at it and I think there's 26,000 people in that stadium and not anywhere else around there do people act like that lot who think they run the club. There's a thousand of them. If they don't like the way we're playing, go and support somebody else. If you're going to get behind your team, I mean, there's five teams below us in the league. And looking at that game last night and then players that we hope will get back in the next three or four weeks, we're going to be all right and we're going to finish in much the same position as we've probably finished over the last few seasons, which is 15, 16, whatever, 17. It annoys me because it's all of a sudden all about the homes there, mm. you know, like God knows the people all around them, how they're thinking with, with that lot there. You know, I just don't like it. I don't like the chairman has done everything he can. I mean, if they feel that strongly, buy the club and do what they want to do. If they got 100 million or 200 million to buy this club, you know, like it's it's very annoying because majority of them fans, we all have a moan, we all have a groan, we all moan about sometimes the way Roy plays. Uh, but if he had a full team for most of the season, like he did the last 12 games, we'd be probably sitting eighth in the league now if we could have played all our players. Plus the two additions that have just been brought in, nobody's mentioned Walton yet. I thought he was the best player on the park last night. Because the, the way he moved, the way he everything he'd done, he'd already read the situation. And the five or six balls he threaded through in between centre-halves for people to run on to. We've not had that for a while. And Munoz, well, he was all over the shop. He was running up one line, down the other. And I, I think they'll be great additions. So <clears throat> I just get a bit annoyed. You know, how can you ever go a man that saved this club, spent the last 10, 11 years... He hasn't got the money to spend. He can't do nothing. So we've got to do it and work other ways. Roy might not be everybody's flavour. I mean, they slagged him off because of the Brighton fiasco bringing Ezzy on, uh, Elise on. 
but he was told he was fit. Now, them same guys would have gone mad if Elise had sat on that bench and Roy hadn't have put him on. So it's yeah. one of them, he, he do, do or die, he doesn't, if he, whatever he does, he's going to get slagged off. Who's going to come in and, and take over from him? Nobody. Cooper, he got sacked because he was crap at Forest. Potter, he got sacked with millions. Hold you, keep your powder dry. We'll come to the managers in a minute, all right? So we're going to come to those guys in a minute. But, so. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I think if they're proper fans, they would support. And all this flashes and all them things, uh, that, to me, that's just crap. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, very quickly, uh, we haven't got as long as Jim gave there, but Ferg, Greg, your views on the HF banners very quickly. Yeah, I think um, we're all passionate. We're all Palace fans. Like I say to most non-Palace fans, is you, you don't choose Palace for success. It's it's um, you just want passion from the team and from the club from within. I think probably some of those statements are, are, are unhelpful, um, but I, I understand where they're coming from. I just I just don't think that it's representative of the majority of, of fans. Um, and and look, they're, they they're allowed to express their opinion. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's necessarily that helpful. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Ferg. Oh, yeah, I'll just echo that. I mean, I think they represent a minority. Um, they could probably do it in a more positive way. It can be quite toxic. Um, maybe uh, through the uh, FAB or something like that. You know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, listen, we're not. I want to make this really clear. We're not hating on the HF on this show per se. Um, they do a lot of good. They they get the atmosphere going. They get the songs going. Um, but sometimes it can seem to be all about them, and uh, they forget that there's another twenty four five thousand people supporting Crystal Palace in the ground. So so yeah, we're with you on that. A lot of love for what you said, Jim, in the chat. By the way, a lot of supportive comments. Go into the chat and read it all afterwards. Um, there we go. Um, I just want to touch on um, set pieces as well. We, we've talked about that. We saw the stat. We were pretty rubbish on, on set pieces. Um, Greg, just hold, your, hold one sec. Uh, if we didn't get set piece. Um, here we go. So who are the strongest um, from set pieces? Um, there you go. Crystal Palace are bottom. We are worst at set pieces in the Premier League. Um, only 0.6 of a goal from 100 set pieces this season. Um, we've had over 200 and we scored once, I think, or something like that. And what worries me is that our next opponents are best at this. All right. So um, that's quite alarming. And then defending set pieces, um, we are almost as bad. Uh, there we go. Uh, Forest are the worst. Uh, and we are one, two, three. We're sixth worst. Um, Manchester City being the best. And even teams like Fulham and Wolves are pretty good at doing this. Um, we're not very good. Why do you think this is, guys? Why are we so poor at set pieces? Let me come to you first, Jim, very quickly, if you would. Um, maybe we don't work on them the way we should. Uh, we, in my experience playing, uh, they would always say it's, it's hard to score a goal in 90 minutes, but you're given a chance when you get corners and free kicks. And I don't see, I don't see nothing. I don't, I don't, I look at it, not in a, a fan point of view. I, I always look at it. I'm looking for movement and 
little spin outs in here. I don't see anything like that. I see balls just come in. And it's only because of the quality of balls that Eze and Elise can hit in that loops as if something's... But the players, I don't know if they've got a set-piece guy that does things with them, but there's lots of times where, especially when you're out wider and they're almost coming in like corners, where you need more movement. The one, the ones coming a bit sort of towards us that are outside the 18 yard box, they're whipped in. But you still, you still got to work on who's going in. Can you go in and spin out? Can you take people away? Can you block people? Because that's like a big part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see any of that. I don't see nothing. So, uh, and it's it, for a team like us who don't, who don't score a lot of goals in open play. That should be the most important thing that you can work on, other than yeah. try to play your shape. I, I wonder why it doesn't work. Then you know, Fergus, have you got any views on on, on why it doesn't work? Well, I, it's an our set piece coach, our goalkeeping coach. I think you know, so. Yeah, we, we don't we yeah. don't have anyone in the club that's actually got any set piece expertise. I don't think so. So that doesn't help. And I know a lot of those teams have their own dedicated set-piece coach, don't they? So that's probably something the club needs to look into. But um, but I think we're also, we're too honest. I think there's a lot of teams, Jim mentioned it, players running across, blocking people off, you know, not fouling the goalkeeper, but just doing enough to make it a little bit awkward for them. We don't do that. We're too, we're too honest. And uh, I think maybe we just need to, to be a little bit more ruthless. Yeah. When, um, when we're in the box. Okay. And Greg, sorry, you had your hand up a while ago. I didn't... Yeah. Like, apologies. <laughs> I, I, I don't wish to appear naive and certainly don't mean to be flippant about it, but is there such thing as a set-piece coach? You know, I've seen a lot of comments saying, we need a set-piece coach. Is mm. is there actually someone within clubs, within football clubs, that that's all they work on? Is that a Apparently, real... Yes. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's lots. There's lots. There's lots of teams have set piece coaches, just like you have your goalkeeping coach, and that's all they work on. So they just sit on computers, fiddle about who can do what, and then they bring it on to the training ground. Yeah, loads. All the top clubs, I would think, would have a set piece coach. Yeah. So, so the, the way I think about it, right, is we 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 the lack of goals is alarming. And, and you're quite right, Jim, what you said earlier. When you get a corner, that is a really good opportunity. That, that is an opportunity to get the ball in the box. You would think that they would study videos of opposition teams working out how they defend corners and trying to break that down. If, if, if other clubs have got that, if we're building academies and all sorts, you know, what is the wage of one person or two people or, or, an, or the goalie coach yeah. learning though that, that skill off of somebody else. You know, I would have thought that that investment into a coach like that for Palace, where goals don't necessarily come, they're not coming freely from open flat. You know, you'd think we'd want to be honing in on that. 100%, 100% right. Um, Paul Bristow says Liverpool even have a throw-in coach. What's that about? You know, <laughs> yeah. crazy. We could do, do, we know, could do with a throw-in coach as well. Yeah, I tell you. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we could. And you're right. You're talking about upskilling people in the club. But even beyond that, you can just go out into the open market. I mean, what would you need to pay someone, you know, under a grand a you year, under a grand a year or something? I don't know. Because Quite a lot of money like, in yeah. terms. But, to totally but with agree. all the technology, though, with all the technology, AI, 
you, you probably don't need a coach. There's, there's got to be some sort of well, algorithm out there. They're not very good at it. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 can, they can run it against a video of Chelsea and they go, right, these are their weak points uh, and AI, and then they, they come up with some sort of set-piece scenario and, <laughs> and we win 4-0. I think I'd like Rory Delap as our throwing coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Come back, Ian Hutchinson. All is forgiven. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So I think uh, you know we could talk. We could talk much more about that. I think, and maybe we'll re- revisit it on a future show. But there are things, guys, I need to fit in this evening. Um, otherwise, um, Nick will beat me up for not including them in the um, in the show tonight. So I just want to look at the loan watch now, Nigel. Um, so it's a quick account of how our players that are out on loan have fared uh, recently. Um, so Killian Phillips, um, guess where he is? He's at Aberdeen. Guess who's Aberdeen's manager? Neil Warnock. That's mm-hmm. good for him, isn't it? Anyway, he came on at half time for Aberdeen in a 2 0 home win, um, against Bonnie Rig Rose in the Scottish Cup. My goodness me, who heard of that team? Um, Owen Goodman, he's in goal for Colchester United, played the full 90 in a 1 0 defeat. Kofi Barmer played the full match for AFC Wimbledon and was booked in the 45th minute. Uh, John Kamani Gordon was not part of that squad in a 2-0 home win. Um, Sean Grehan, is that how you say his name? He came off, came on from the bench for Carlisle in the 75th minute. They lost 1-0 at home to Pompey. Um, Adamola Ola uh, Adibomi uh, played 79 minutes for Burton Albion, got an assist in that game. And Teo Adaramola, he played the first 45 for Texas uh, RWD Molenbeek in a 4-0 defeat at home against Antwerp. Um, Malcolm Bowie was on the bench and didn't get any minutes in that one. So that's a little roundup of the loan watch. Um, the thing I want to talk about in the last five, ten minutes or so, guys, uh, is our manager. Um, I think, uh, Jim, you've already alluded to the fact that, you know, Roy's here for uh, the, the season may be and, um, you know, we've got to get behind him. But, yeah, that image there that you just had there, Nigel, on the screen, this is Roy on the touchline, looking a bit forlorn. Um, I think I said in my TNT Sport interview the other week before the Arsenal game that I thought Roy, um, although he says he's enjoying it, he doesn't look as if he's enjoying it. Um, you know, he looks sometimes like a, a lonely old guy, you know, waiting for a bus standing there on the touchline. Um, question to you then, do we need a new manager now with 14 games to go? Um, or do we change the manager in the summer? Obviously, we change the manager in the summer. Um, and if so, who do we get in? So who am I coming to first on this one? Um, Fergus, Tid, you smirked and smiled as I said it. So <laughs> you can speak first, my friend. Would you change Roy now? Would you stack him? And if so, who would you get in? Right. With Roy, I, I, I don't think he's going to go. I think he's going to stay. Um, personally, no, I wouldn't sack him. I think any manager worth his salt that would come into the club now with our four best players out, I mean, you know, you could argue that, well, how much of a difference is that going to make? Um, and it's also a temporary measure, isn't it? Roy knows the club. Like Jim said, when we get our players back, you know, we're a decent side. So I, I, I don't think we're going to get relegated. It's, it's going to be closer than we all thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, but I do I do put a lot of that down to the injuries. Mm. Um, who would I want to come in at the end of the season? Um, I, I know we've got a list of managers somewhere, but 
Um, if my my first choice would be if Brentford got relegated, I'd go Thomas <laughs> Frank, but he's he's not available. No. Um, I do think the club have got someone lined up, which is why they're sticking with Roy, and that's either I think Potter or Southgate. Um, okay. I, I, I'd air on Southgate seems to be making a lot of noise about maybe not extending his contract and stuff, and he's always down around the club, isn't he? Totally the academy and stuff like that. He's got a relationship with Paris, so it wouldn't surprise okay. me. Okay, I'm going to come to Greg next and then you last, Jim. Um, change Roy now, if you had the choice, or would you wait till the summer? And if so, who are you bringing in? Naturally, it's a really difficult question. I, um, what I think will happen is that Roy will see the season out. Um, my thoughts on if you were to change the manager now, you would probably only get like a stopgap type manager. And I, and I think... Because of that, you, you you would probably run the risk of not really getting who you wanted. So I think I'll answer it in in, in a, it would be unpopular. But the only stopgap manager I can think of that would give me some confidence about survival is Sam Allardyce. He's done it before. I know. I know. Like I said, it's it's an unpopular thought. But if you were to change the manager, that's who I would bring in. Uh, who do I want as manager? I, I think out of the options available, I think Graham Potter is the best option available. Um, okay. And probably the safest pick. Okay. Okay. Thank, thanks for that, Greg. Thanks for that. Jim, same question to you. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't see Roy. I, I can't see them sacking Roy unless we lose the next three games and they suddenly panic. But uh, I think he'll be here till the end of the season and then he will go. And, your little caption of him standing there looking forlorn. He's never been anything other than that. If you go back five years ago, he stands there. He's never one that waves and shouts. He's got his little man at the side of him that runs on and screams. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, bringing somebody in. Well, I agree with the lads. There's, there's nobody really that you would bring in and there would only be a stopgap. But I, I would just leave it as is a uh, new manager. Um, well, the best manager that looks like he might be going to get the sack is David Moyes. <laughs> I mean, his his team's in the top half of the league. The fans obviously don't like him. Uh, they've never really taken to him, and he's been very successful. So if he decides to go, and Roy decides to go, why not David Moyes next year? He's no, handled that one before. I've not. No one's mentioned handled a European before. winning team. Yeah. Uh, he's got his yeah. his team look good. All right, they get battered the other night. We've been battered, so it's uh, all part and parcel of the game. But I would yeah. leave Roy for the time being, and yeah. I, I'm sure we'll get. We only need three, four wins, and we'll be more than safe. Yeah. Okay. Let's have, let's have a look. We'll come to you in a sec, Greg. Let's have a look at the betting if we can. Oh, Greg, you talk. We've got the betting. Here we are. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. So the, as it, as you can see, Kieran McKenna is is the is the favourite there. And, uh, Steve Cooper and Oliver Glasner, who I believe is an Austrian manager who was recently yep. in charge of Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Potter eight to one. I don't think that I, I think Scott Parker would probably prove pretty unpopular, um, and I, th I think he would complain about the lack of transfer uh, of, of money available. 
uh, and then it, you, uh, forgive the pronunciation, Yulin Lopetegui. Um, I think he's quite fancied by a lot of Palace fans, and I, I, I've seen definitely seen rumours of him going to Man United at one point. Um, and I think he's managed Real Madrid and the Spanish national side. So, you know, 20 to 1 and then 25 to 1, Gareth Southgate, who I, I, I don't see that one happening, mainly because it's tournament year. And why would you come on the back of a tournament to straight into a Premier League season where you wouldn't have had time to bring in your, your staff, etc.? That That's why I don't think Southgate to Palace will happen. I'll, I'll, I'll level with you. I don't know who Bo Svensson is. Uh, Brendan <laughs> Rodgers is at Celtic, isn't he? <laughs> and, and I think we'd all love to see Mourinho at 33-1. to 1. Um, I, Yeah, look, I mean, who wouldn't? That that, that would be an exciting appointment. I, 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 I think it would probably end in tears, if I'm honest. But um, I think it might be fun. Yeah, I think, I think it would be fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for running us through that. Yeah, be like a Thomas Bowling sign in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Bo Svensson is a Swedish. Oh no, that's the wrong one on Wikipedia. I really don't know who Bo Svensson is at all. Don't worry. Forget it. I was trying to be clever now. I was trying to be clever. Um, okay, so um, I think the consensus is, you know, Roy isn't going anywhere just yet. And um, when he does go, we, we've got two or three really good choices there. Uh, for me, I, I think Greg, I'm with you. I think Graham Potter would be the best fit. Um, ahead of Cooper or anyone else. And um, a bit unpopular, your noise choice in the chat, Jim. You know, not too many people behind that <laughs> That's one. why I like to say it. <laughs> but, you never know. He's a Scotsman. I've got to go for him. There we go. <laughs> uh, you know, and listen, he's had some experience. He's had some success in the past at Everton, obviously. Uh, and, you know, latterly at West Ham, you could say he's successful, you know, winning that European trophy, of course, you know. So, so there we are. Greg. I've got one, one last thing on the manager here, and, and this is food for thought. Not that I want this to happen, clearly not. But would your manager choice change if we were relegated? I think it would have to. I think it would have to change. Uh, and, and Jim, you made a very valid point um, in, in your summary there that if we lost our next three or four games, then it does pull a very different complexion on it. Because if we lost three or four, the next three or four, and we'll come to those games in a second or two, then we will probably be in the relegation zone, or if not, almost in it, uh, depending on the sides obviously below us. So, um, you know, everything's firmly crossed. Um, you know, we, we've seen signs last night. There was a massive improvement last night from the Brighton game. Let's be clear about that. We've seen the new boys, Adam Wharton and Franca and the right back, um, who had also had a good game, by the way, I thought, you know, right back. I mean, he popped up on the left wing at one point, which I thought was quite refreshing, you know. Um, but, you know, so he was here, there and everywhere. So I, th I just think that we've we've got the, the with one or two to come back, I think we've got the quality to to have enough not to get relegated. Um, but if we did lose three or four, then it would put a different complexion on it. And Greg, to answer your question, yes, it puts a very different complexion on, on a new manager. Um so, um, I'll, I just want to talk about very quickly other teams' results because I need to squeeze this in as well. So, we always talk on this show, it's not just about the first team. Uh, the under 21s, uh, they won 1 0 against Ipswich Town uh, on Monday, the 5th of February, in the Premier League Cup. Well done to them. They go on to the next round. Their match against Spurs was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. The under 18s, uh, they fell a foul to Chelsea as well, lost 2 1. This game was played at Sellers Park. 
in the FA Youth Cup on uh, Thursday, the 8th of February. Well done if you made it down to Sillhurst to watch that one. And then our women were also on the end of a reversed Chelsea in the Women's FA Cup. And that game was played uh, last Sunday um, down at Sutton's Ground, I think. So, again, well done if you made it down to there. And I think it was a really good Palace contingent. No, I lie. That wasn't. Uh, that was away at Chelsea, that game. And uh, and Chelsea women are very good, by the way. I think they, they win leagues and that kind of thing. So, uh, no shame in that Palace women. Um, but you're out of the FA Cup. Um, so, where are we going now? Prediction time. Um, how are we going to get on against Everton? Um, we are Monday night football once again next weekend. Um, I'm not going to Everton because it is my wedding anniversary and I would be in big trouble if I went. Uh, mm-hmm. We're actually away for a few days. Um, well done if you plan to make the trip to Everton. We do need the support inside Goodison Park. Um, I'm going to ask you for your predictions on the game. I'm going to come to Jim first, then Ferg, then Greg. Quickly, your prediction for Everton v Crystal Palace, Jim. Uh, a draw. A draw. One all, two all, one all, nil nil. Uh, two all. Two all. My goodness me, Greg. One all. One all. And Fergus. Two one Palace. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. I, I'm going for a draw as well. I, I with you, Greg. I think one all. I take the draw now. Um, they are five points behind us. It could be two points. It could be five points. It could be eight points. The gap, depending on. So it's a massive game, and Sky will build it as a relegation um, battle for sure. Um, but what about the next four games? Let's get those games back up again, Nigel. Um, I don't want to talk about all of them because that Newcastle one is likely to be rearranged anyway. But we have Everton away, Burnley at home, uh, Tottenham away, and then Luton at home. So two away games, two home games. How many points are we getting in those four games, guys? Um, same order. Jim, first of all. Uh, six points. Six. We'll, we'll beat Burnley and we'll beat Luton. Okay, cool. But we're drawing with Everton, so... <laughs> Sorry, well, that's, Yeah, but that's, that's home games and away games, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So seven points. Seven points, yeah. Okay, I, didn't, I didn't know you wanted me to add up all the ones. <laughs> I just want to check whether you're good at math, Jim. That's the main thing. Yeah, so seven points. Uh, Greg, how many points from you, mate, for those four games? I'm inclined to think seven. Uh, Point against Everton. Palace have got to beat Burnley. There's no other result that that really is acceptable. We will get an absolute hide-in like we do annually at Tottenham. No doubt, three, four, nil. It it just always seems to be that way. Uh, And then away at, is it away at, no, it's home to Luton then, isn't it? Home to Luton, yeah. Good, a good, yeah, look, good Luton team, look, though. You know, they're doing well. Look, the, real, the reality there is you have got to get your three wins against Burnley, Luton and Forest. Not an easy place to go, Forest. Not an easy team to beat. And it's, it's, it's the same for all three. None of those yeah. are easy games. But if we are to stay up, that, that you have to win all more. You've got to win them all. Yeah, OK. I wasn't I wasn't talking about the Forest game. I was just talking about four games, but never mind. Um, that's fine. So you're going seven points, Fergus? Um, well, I've gone Everton win, Burnley win. Uh, I think Greg's right. I think we're going to get our uh, <laughs> a sound beating at Spurs. And um, and I think we'll beat Luton at home. Okay, so you have a nine I points. I think they've gone through it? their... Yeah, I think they've gone through their purple patch, Luton. I think they're... Um, yeah, they drew a few losses now. Yeah, they got beat by Sheffield United, didn't they, at the weekend? Um, 
Yeah. I'm just going to go for the five points. I think two draws and a win for me. And I agree with you. We'll lose at Tottenham. Um, so uh, we're on to our, our next show will be uh, next Tuesday. Um, I won't be here. I'll be in Cornwall. Uh, Nick will be back in the chair. Uh, so thank you so much to everyone for joining us this evening. Um, and we want to just leave you with this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Palace fans. It is Pancake Day after all. Thanks for joining us. Very good evening. See ya. Good night, everybody.